Several weeks ago, we started a series called Let's Make a Deal. And we have been taking a look at the different choices or doors that, that we have opportunity either to go through or to walk past. If you will take a look at the major translations of the Bible with the word door, you will find that the word door is mentioned hundreds of different times. And it is primarily mentioned as a metaphor for a lot of different things. Today we're going to take a look at just a few of those things. But before we jump in, I want to talk about the physical doors that you may not realize that are in your life, that you walk through and walk past every day. I want you to listen to this list of doors and in your mind, maybe check off some things. Yeah, I can identify with that door. Here's the first one, a sliding glass door, a pocket door. Okay, I want you to raise your hands. A front door. How many have a front door? If you didn't raise your hand, how do you get into your house? Okay. Now, I'm sure not many of us have this one, basement doors. In Missouri, I come from Missouri, there's basements everywhere, okay? Basement doors, Dutch doors, garage doors, fire-rated doors, attic doors, bathroom doors, automatic doors. How many of us kind of have an automatic door somewhere in our life where we walk in and they just automatically open and close? Shower doors. How many of us use the shower door every day? Can I see your hands? Those of you who didn't raise your hands, you stink. Okay, closet doors, bedroom doors, revolving doors, glass doors. How many of us have jammed or squeaky doors? There's always one in the house somewhere. You know, you try to, okay, how about a secret door? How many of us have, raise your hand, you got a secret door? One person. It's not secret anymore. Okay. Now, as I said, doors can have a lot of different meanings for life. A door can be an entrance or an exit. It can be a bridge to greater things. It can be a barrier. That door can say, welcome, and it also say, stay out. It can represent acceptance or rejection. A door can protect you from the elements. And it also can be a portal into better things. There are so many things to how doors are used in your life. And there are many implications on how they are used spiritually in your life. In the Bible, a door represents salvation, service, discipleship, fellowship, missions. In fact, the Bible itself is called the door. It is the mirror door of God's word that reflects not just who he is, but folks, it also reflects who we are. Now, I want us to take a look at one of these verses that we're gonna build off of for this message. And that is Revelation 3, verses seven and eight. Revelation is the last book of the Bible. And it's revelation, not revelations, plural, okay? It's just revelation, singular. Where Jesus gives seven different messages to seven, seven different churches that existed at that time. And one of those churches was the church of Philadelphia, the church of brotherly love. And this is what he said to them. 
I hold the key of David, circle that, in my hand. The doors that I unlock and, and open, no one can close. And any doors that I shut and lock, no one will ever be able to open. Now I know everything you have done. So look, I am placing before you an open door. Will you circle that? That no one can shut. I know that you are not very strong, but you've kept my word and you have been faithful to me. This open door, and right beside that, is a door of opportunity. And he is saying to this church of Philadelphia, as he would be saying to us, you know what, I know that you don't have it all together. I know you got some flops, failures, and fumbles in your life, okay? But you've been faithful. You haven't denied me. You've continued to love me and sought to obey my word. And because of that, I am going to open up some doors of opportunity that are gonna bless your socks off of you because I hold the key of David. Now, beside that phrase, I don't have time to explain this one. Write Isaiah 22, 22. Now, this door of opportunity has happened to me, folks, a lot of different times where God has opened up a door of opportunity and I have walked through it and I am pinching myself like, hello, I can't believe that this is totally awesome. And one of those in my life is the starting of LifePoint Church. There's many a night that I leave this building and I park myself out in the parking lot and I look up at that lighted cross and I say, God, I cannot believe how you have led me here 32 years ago to start LifePoint Church. I can't believe it, God, it has been a great ride. I can't believe, God, the opportunity that you're giving our church to, to disciple a whole nation, not just the church to church thing, a whole nation. That There are times in my life that truly, I pinch myself, God, this cannot be real. And yet it is. And the same can be true for you. But in order for that to happen, you have to learn some things about doors. And I want us to learn these things as we lay the foundation for the year of faith. The first thing that you need to learn is this, that every door is a decision. Doors are metaphors for choices that we make every day. And your choices and not your circumstances will determine your destiny far more than anything else. Every door that you walk by and every door that you walk through, folks, is a, choice, is a choice. Will I walk through this door or will I walk past this door? It is a decision that door is. Secondly, my destiny will be shaped by which doors I walk through and which doors I walked past. Now, if you think about this, this is the tough part, is it not? Choosing the right door. Because every time you walk through a door, it costs you, doesn't it? It costs you your time and your energy, maybe your money. I mean, how many of us here have walked through what we thought was a right door, but it ended up being the wrong door, and it cost us big time? Maybe relationally. You see, to choose the right door, it takes discernment. The more discerning you are, the better your decision-making process will be. 
We're thinking about doing some new things with outrun homelessness, and we're gonna try to raise it to the next level. We're getting all the wisdom and discernment that we possibly can to do this. Now, God gave his people this opportunity. Take a look at Deuteronomy 30, verse 15. God said, today I'm giving you a choice. You can choose life and success or death and disaster. Now, here's the challenge with the doors of opportunity that stand before us, and that is none of us know what's behind them, do we? Behind that door may be a car, or it may be a candy bar. It's like Monty Hall, and let's make a deal. How do you make the decision? You've seen the show, people are standing there. <laughs> How do you make the decision? Discernment. And one of the areas that you need discernment is in regards to your relationship. That is why last week I spent time on MVPs, most valuable players, people who motivate your character, who value your soul, that, that praise your journey. You need those kinds of people in your life. And one of the great, greatest things for that, that you can do to make that happen is just begin to be a part to a spiritual family, LifePoint Church. You see, some people are consistently choosing wrong relationships. And the common factor in all these wrong relationships is them. They are broken choosers. Now, I would have you know, if you are a broken chooser, I and LifePoint Church love you unconditionally. But you need to start building some MVPs in your life to help you. The third thing that we learn about doors is that a door may be an opportunity from God. These are the good doors that you want to go through. These are the Philadelphia doors. These are the, the doors of opportunity that are from God. And if you walk through them in the right way, at the right time, doing the right kinds of things, guess what? Your life will be blessed. And I am praying that that is exactly what will happen in your life in this year of faith. That you will recognize the doors of opportunity and you will walk through them and you will experience life like you have never experienced it before. Now, a, an example of this type of door, a door of opportunity from God, is in 1 Corinthians 16, 9. Paul said, a huge door of opportunity for, and will you circle this, good work has opened up here. This happened to me a couple of weeks ago. Remember when it was raining, cats and dogs? I was at McDonald's, okay? And there was this lady that I didn't really notice, but the management did. She came in and she was soaked to the bone from the, the rain. And she walks right up to me and says, may I talk with you, sir? I'm a pastor, of course. And she grabs me soaking wet and starts sobbing and said, I, I, I'm on my way home and this person just left me off just a mile or so and I've been walking in the rain. Can you help me get to my home? I don't know any of the circumstances of her life, but the management came right there and they were just watching. And I said, ma'am, I'd really like to, but I gotta be at this certain place here within about a half hour, but I can get you an Uber and I don't know how to get Ubers, okay? I don't have it on my phone. But the management was there and one lady says, I have an Uber app. I said, 
bring it up. Boom, did. How much will it cost? 40 bucks. Here's the $40. And that's all I know of her. It was like uh, the disciple deacon Philip and the Ethiopian um, leader. Wow, here today and gone. It was a it was a door of opportunity. Now, I want you to write this down. Opportunity plus opposition equals God's will. When God opens a door of opportunity, folks, there, there will be opposition. Why? Because we do not live in a problem-free life, do we? With every op- opportunity, you can almost count that there will be opposition. Why does God do that? Because he wants to grow your faith. Now that opposition could be a number of different things. That opposition, you might write this down, might be a distraction from others to get you off track so that your life comes to a dead end. Have you discovered this? That God has a wonderful plan for your life and so does everybody else. And they are going to offer it to you All kinds of wonderful opportunities that are gonna suck your time. But they're not from God. God has a different plan and a purpose for your life. A great example of this is Nehemiah, out of the book of Nehemiah. The backdrop of Nehemiah's story is this, that the Jews have been disobedient God has taken them into, allowed them to be taken into captivity by the Babylons. The Babylons are overthrown by the Persians. Nehemiah rises to a leadership position under a Persian king, Artaxerxes. Nehemiah, in that position, learns that his hometown, Jerusalem, has been devastated, that the walls have been torn down, that his people no longer have protection, that they are vulnerable to attacks. He begins praying about this. One day before the king, the king notices that he is sad, and he asks him, Nehemiah, why are you so sad? And Nehemiah tells him about the plight of his hometown. And then the king asks a further question, what will it take to make it happen? And Nehemiah, within one thought, says, here's what it's going to take. Here are the resources. Here is the time, the money. Here's the permissions that we're going to need to get to get this thing done. Now, this is a very important point in regards to faith, and I'll explain. While Nehemiah was waiting, and while you and I are waiting to fulfill that dream, that vision, of God opening a door, maybe a job door, maybe a relationship door. You need to be making plans. You need to be making plans for when that door opens so that you know exactly what to say. I mean, if someone came up to you and says, I wanna help out, what can I do to help out? Will you be able to tell them? I'm constantly working. You ask my staff. This has happened two times in my life. One was when a time a business guy came to our church. He liked what we were doing. He loved our emphasis in the community. He says, George, I'd like to take you out to lunch. I went out to lunch unprepared. And he says, 
Man, we got to know one another. He says, George, if I gave you $50,000 right now, what would you do with it and how would you do it? Bam, I said, here's where it would go. Here's these four areas and this is exactly where the money would go and how it would be done at a 40,000 foot level. The next day I got a check for $50,000. The other one I was ready for. When Toyota says, we're gonna be offering a million dollar grant for the community. And we pulled the collaborative together and says, let's make this happen. This is where it would go and this is how it would be done. If someone came to you and says, I wanna help, would you know what to say? You see, while you are waiting for that dream, for that vision that you're believing God for, you are not doing nothing. Isaiah was ready. He was prepared. He was just waiting on God's time. And when the king heard, okay, this is how you're gonna do it, make it happen, baby, make it happen. Folks, making plans in advance and being prepared is called faith. Faith isn't sitting around on your hands. That's called laziness. And so Nehemiah gets permission and he starts building the wall and, and people start making fun of him. They start criticizing him. They put up barriers to delay him. They start to arrange meetings. Hey, let's talk about this because, you know, they were concerned. And he says, you know what? I'm not gonna give you the time of day. I know that what I'm doing is God's will for my life and for this situation. Take a look at this out of Nehemiah 6.3. I sent messages to them with this reply. I'm doing important work right now. Why should the work stop while I come down to see you? Some of you need to say that to some people that are in your life. Why should I stop doing what I'm doing when I know that it's God's will? We could discuss it, but it isn't gonna change my mind one bit. And so it may be an opportunity from God. It may be a distraction from others. Will you write this one down? It may be a trap from Satan. Folks, there are a lot of trap doors in life, and unfortunately, many people follow, fall into them. Take a look in Matthew 16, to, uh, 23. Jesus said, Get away from me, Satan. You are a dangerous trap to me. You are looking at things merely from a human viewpoint, not from God's. Anytime you and I look at our future from a human standpoint and not from God's standpoint, that is a trap from Satan. Anytime you look at your future with fear and not faith, that is a trap too. Now this leads in to the fourth one. And that is, if an open door is truly from God, it will not contradict what God has already said in his word. There's a lot of things that God has said in his word. Do this, don't do that. Do, do that, but don't do this. And what you and I need to understand is that God will never contradict himself. Folks, he sees the end from the beginning. He knows. In fact, all truth is found in him. And if a door is telling you something else other than what God has said, understand, that door is not from God. 
Let me give you an example. Let's say you're in, let's say you're married and your marriage isn't going in the direction that you want. In fact, you are getting further apart as opposed to closer together. And so you start looking for a door out. One day, a person moves into the cubicle next to yours at work. They look good. They smell good. They're a hunk of hunk of burning love. They don't complain. In fact, they compliment. And you fall for the trap of comparison or comparing. The problem is you're comparing tangerines with submarines. But the attraction has started. I share this because I hear this again and again and again in various ways. Pastor George, it was like God just opened up this door. I just fell in love, and I am so happy now. And I just tell him, you know what? I want you to understand something. That's not love. It's lust. You just have this intense desire to have your own way. And happiness, God knows more about happiness than you and I put together. And so what results is an affair. That is not an open door from God. The Bible says whoever commits adultery destroys his own soul. It brings pain into one's life. It brings relational pain. Now, can a person be forgiven? Absolutely. God is the God of all grace. In fact, that's what our name used to be, grace. God is a God of grace. He forgives but I want you to know something. It doesn't mean that God doesn't, it doesn't mean that there won't be any scars. I have never met a person who's had an affair that has said that it is painless. It's never painless. It creates hurts. Physical, emotional, mental, spiritual, relational. And it's not just for the parties involved. It creates hurts generationally. But Pastor George, what do you do if you're just not feeling good about it, you understand that the grass isn't greener on the other side. The grass is greener where you water it. The grass isn't greener on this side and the grass isn't greener on that side. The grass is greener where you want it. And so you grow up and you accept responsibility for the choices that you've made. And sure, you can't change them but you can change yourself. And when you change, it forces the other person to respond to you differently because changed people change people. But Pastor George, I just don't feel loving towards them. I understand that. I've been married 44 years. 24 of those years, big great years, I'm telling you. I want to repeat them. 15 of those years have been so-so. Five of those years have sucked wind. I understand. But understand this. It is easier to act your way into a feeling than it is to feel your way into an action. Feelings always follow actions. And as a leader in your relationship, you take responsibility and you act first. Why? Because God doesn't contradict his word. Take a look at Matthew 24, 35. Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will never pass away. 
If it was true a thousand years ago, it'll be true today. And if it's true today, it'll be true a thousand years from today. If it was wrong a thousand years ago, it'll be wrong today, and it'll be wrong a thousand years from today. God's truth is God's truth, and it never changes. It is not relative based on culture. The fifth thing that we learn from doors is that sometimes God shuts a door to protect us. Now, when God shuts a door, oftentimes we don't like it. That loss of a job, I don't like that. I don't know, a deal that we've been working on for a while goes south. But God oftentimes shuts doors to protect us. Take a look at Genesis 7, verse 16. Then God shut the door. Now, you know what story this comes out of, right? The story of Noah and the ark. God told Noah that he wanted certain things to be done. And when Noah got them all done, when he got his family on the boat, and when he got all the animals on the boat, God shut the door. When God shuts a door for you, no one can open it. When God opens a door for you, no one will be able to shut it. Why did God shut this door? To protect Noah and his family and the cargo from the rain and the storm. And sometimes God does that for you and it doesn't feel good. It's not nice. You don't like it. But God is doing it to protect you from something that you don't know. And he has a bigger plan. Now, I spoke about marriages. Let me speak about singlehood. Some of you, I know, have fallen in love deeply with someone who's not good for you. They hug you in one moment, and they physically slug you in the next. And for whatever reason, they've walked out on you. God knows that about harmful relationships for your life. And oftentimes he removes them to protect you. Whatever you do, don't run after them. Please, 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 please come back. Oh, please come back. I promise I'll change. No, that is called codependency. If they have walked, let them walk. God has a better plan for your life. He's protecting you. There's a sixth thing that we learn about doors. And that is this, that God will open doors for me if I open doors for others. This is called the golden rule. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And that golden rule is about learning to be generous. Take a look at Proverbs eleven twenty five. Anyone who generously blesses others will be generously blessed. And when you refresh others, you will be refreshed yourself. Did you know that there are more promises on generosity than there, than there are on any other subject matter? And when I say that, I'm not just talking about money. It does include money. In fact, I was thinking about this. If every person 
would give $5 more. Think about that. We would have $300,000 more to do ministry inside the walls of the church, outside the walls of the church. God says, I'll bless that. But it's not just about money. It is about our time. It is about using our talents. It is about praising. It is about opening up our homes. Christians are to be known for their hospitality, for opening up their homes to other people. Now, why does God make such a big deal about being generous across the board? It's because God is a generous God. God is a giver. And generosity is a sign of love. That's what it is. Everything that you have in your life and in my life is a sign of God's love towards us. Now, we have been made in God's image. And God wants you and I to be like him. He wants to be able to look down, so to speak, from heaven and says, you know what, she is really generous. He is really generous. You know, this, this family, they are so hospitable. They open their doors to people in their community, to people in the church. I like that. And God says, if you and I will open doors for other people, that he will open doors for us. Take a look at Job 31, 32. Job said, I have never turned away anyone, but I have opened my doors to everyone. Job was the wealthiest man in the world before his trials and after his trials. Why was that? Well, it's pretty clear. I have never turned anyone away, but I've opened my doors to everyone. Folks, he had an open door policy of helping people. He had an open door policy of blessing other people. He had an open door policy of being hospitable to other people. And so God says, guess what? I'm gonna bless that. Truly, my life personally has been blessed because other people have opened the door for me. Models like Rick Warren, who helped me start this church 30 years ago. Mentors like Terry Bartley and David Gumley and Kirk Anderson in my early years that mentored me and worked with me and got me to think and grew me up in my faith. For partners who are heads of ministry at Life Point Church, like our board with Kate McBride. They've opened doors and countless friends who have done the same. And if you have been at Life Point Church for any amount of time, I've opened doors for you. I've, I've opened doors to help you be more intimate with God. I have taught you God's word. I have helped you to see things differently, your past, the present, your future. I've taught about love for a whole year. I've taught about hope with the big rock of mental health. And we're getting ready to talk about faith. I have opened a lot of doors for 30 years. And I say that not to bring attention to myself, but to encourage you to in turn open doors for other people. That what you get on Sunday morning, it's useful for Monday morning. And you ought to take it and you ought to give it away 
You ought to put it on your Facebooks. You ought to put it on your Instagrams. You ought to put it on Tweet. You ought to put it everywhere you can go. Why? So that God will bless you. God blesses conduits who give it away, who say, hey, you ought to come to this church. You ought to take a look at this. What about thinking about that? How about this? Have you thought about this question? God blesses conduits. He doesn't bless dead ends like the Dead Sea. He blesses the seas of Galilee that are open. And I want your lives to be blessed in 2019. The seventh thing that we learn is that sometimes God cracks open a door to give me a glimpse of my future long before I'm ready to walk through it. Why is that? Will you write this down? To inspire me to grow. Because I'm not ready for it yet. But he wants me to get, my grandma used to talk to me about this all the time. George, God at the beginning is just going to give you little peepers where you can't see a whole lot. But as you, as you walk with him, he'll widen those eyes of yours. Well, you'll be able to take it all in. Sometimes God knows that we're not ready, yet he reveals. He opens the door just a little crack to inspire us, just like Nehemiah. You see, God has a destiny for your life. And nobody is going to be able to take it away from you except you. God won't because he's the one that gave you the dream and the vision. The devil can't. And other people may try, but they will fail. The only person that can destroy your destiny is you. God has a purpose and a plan for your life. And we seek to help you understand that through step one. And then step two, and then step three, and then step four. God has a purpose and a plan for your life, and he isn't going to force it on you. He's gonna give you the freedom to choose. Some people choose to ruin their lives. Most people choose to waste their life. Or you can choose to go through the right door, and God will bless your socks off of you. Now, it is true. I think in all of our lives, we've gone through doors that we wish we'd have never gone through. And God says this, let's start over again. That is why I'm encouraging everyone in our church. I know you've been through other similar purpose steps. We have reworked most of them, and it's new material. You should be signing back up because God says in his word, again and again, and again, I'm writing these things to remind you. How many of us need to be reminded? How many of us have a spouse that reminds us? <laughs> Don't raise your hands, you'll get in trouble. We need to be reminded. And so God opens the door through giving you a vision, to giving you a purpose. This is what you could be. I know you've taken some wrong turns, but this is what you could be. Let's grow into it together. Now, when God gives you a glimpse of the future that he has for you, folks, he never gives it to you all at once. He, he, he doesn't give you A through Z, all the steps, all at once. Why? Well, for several reasons. One, it would scare you to death. If God showed you everything, you go, oh, well, holy moly, forget, I, I'm scared to death. The other reason is he wants you to be dependent upon him throughout the journey. He wants you to be close to him. And the other thing is this, he wants you to grow in your faith. He, he knows how he wants to prosper you. But maybe you need to mature.
Maybe you need to be less selfish. Maybe you need to understand and learn how to open doors for other people. And when you do, God turns on the light in that room and your eyes go wham because you know that God's doing what he is doing, not for you, but for others. Now this is how God did it with Habakkuk. Take a look at Habakkuk 2.3. God said, the things that I am planning for you won't happen right away, but slowly, steadily, surely, the time approaches when the vision will be fulfilled. If it seems slow, do not despair, for these things will surely come to pass. Just be, will you circle this word, patient. They will not be overdue a single day. Here is the challenge when it comes to this vision that God is giving you. When God cracks open the door, a lot of times we just go, oh man, this is exciting. I know, I'm a triple A person. And we run out there and we attempt to do it our own way and we fail. And we come back with our tails between our legs. And we think, well, I'm not gonna do it. I must have got it wrong. It's not God's vision for my life. No, 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 no. No, you need to wait for the how and you need to wait for the when. And understand this, while you're waiting, patience. God is working. He is bringing the pieces together. So don't be in a hurry. Hebrews 6 says, through faith and patience, you inherit the promises. And so don't be in a hurry. God can do in five minutes what you and I, what you and I would take 50 years. What we need to be doing instead is asking ourselves questions. When God begins to crack open that door, questions like, what do I need to learn to develop into the kind of person that God can work in and work through for this vision? And you need three things for 2019. You need discernment, you need courage, and you need to use your gifts you need to open doors for other people through your giftedness. You need to learn discernment to know which doors to go through. And that comes through knowledge. Here's a prayer that I have been praying for us. Philippians 1, 9 through 10. This is my prayer for you, that your love will keep growing more and more with knowledge and greater discernment so that you will be able to make the right choices. I want you to be loving in your, discern, in your knowledge. Why? Because it will help you to be loving in your discernment. You need two things for your future. You need love and you need knowledge so that you can discern. The second thing that you need is courage or faith that acts. You may know the right thing to do, but you need the faith to take the step, especially when it doesn't seem right, especially when there is resistance, especially when there is testing going on. Courage is not the absence of fear. I know you've heard that. Courage is doing the right thing, though you are scared to death. Courage is faith to face your fears. Take a look at 1 Corinthians 16, 13. Be on guard. Stand firm in the faith. Be courageous. Be strong. Every major decision that I have made, personally and ministry-wise, 
I have done so out of fear. And yet I have made the decision. Why? Because I don't want to be dominated by fear. Fear is not managed through logic. And it is not managed through complaining about it. It is managed through action. You act. And so we are going to take a look at the book of Daniel. The second third of the year. The first part of the year in regards to knowing, we're going to take a look at our faith in a series that I've entitled The Faith of Our Fathers. Do you know your faith? If you don't know it, how are you going to be able to discern? We're going to take a look at the Apostles' Creed, the Nicene Creed, the uh, other confessions, and our own doctrinal statement. We need to know what we know so that we can then discern. And then we're going to take a look the second third of the year at the book of Daniel. Because what you see is a, a man, really a young boy in the beginning of the book, who is being tested. And he grew strong in faith. And God took him from a prisoner of war to second in command of the kingdom that he was on. And he saw three of them. And then the third thing you need to learn is how to use your gifts, how to open doors for other people. Take a look at this. Welcome people into your home and don't grumble about it. Each of you have been blessed with one of God's many wonderful gifts to be used in the service of others. So use your gift well. I want God to open doors for you. I want to open doors for you. And I want you to open doors for other people. And in the year 2019, you have a choice. You can choose to know your faith. For you and your family, we're gonna do this for the family. We are gonna memorize the Apostles' Creed. And we're gonna do that with our families so that our kids know the faith. But it's not enough just to know it. We need to build it. And we're going to do that through the book of Daniel. And you got a choice. You can walk through this door and you can learn six to eight valuable lessons out of the book of Daniel about his life and how God raised him up from, so to speak, being in the cellar to going to the top. And you will have the choice of expressing your faith by using your gift. If you and I walk through these doors in 2019, God will bless your life and my life. You up for it? We're gonna start February 10th after a Super Bowl break. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you that you did not create us for destruction, but that you created us for good purposes in mind, and that you have a plan and a specific purpose for our lives. And God, we want to be people of faith, to know what our faith really is all about. We want our kids to know our faith. We want to pass it on to them. 
God, we want to build our faith. We know that with every opportunity, every dream, every vision that you have planted in our heart, we know, God, that there's opposition. There's the trials, the tribulations, and the troubles of life. Through them all, you want to build our faith. And God, may we be found to take the opportunities that are from you to not just use them for ourselves, but to be a blessing to this church family, to be a blessing to our community, God. God, we know that if we follow your plan, that all we have in front of us is prosperity. So God, help us this year as we, be, as we get ready to launch full steam ahead into this year of faith. God, we look to you. We trust in you, God. We give you this in your son's precious name. Amen.